Welcome back. Hi. So good to see you. Even if it's just your eyes, it's so good to see you. And welcome online as well. Uh, so glad to have you here at the worship gathering of the Church of Mosaic. And uh, let's do what we do. Let's stand and let's sing of the goodness of God tonight. of the 
22nd was the last time I stood here and saw your faces, and I've missed it, um, and it's a bit surreal uh, to have it back. The joy is that the church didn't stop in that time, did it? Like, we met, right? We were encouraged by the word and worship together, but this place serves a special purpose. It brings us together. It brings our disciple-making communities together into one spot on a Saturday night to together remind ourselves of why we're living this life, of why we're chasing Jesus. So we're going to explore into that even deeper tonight. We have set up a series of anthems for us to sing together tonight. So please raise your voices with these familiar songs and let's praise his name. You give life, you are love, you bring light to the darkness, you give hope, you restore every heart that is
Did you ever think this day would come? <laughs> we all wondered, right? We all wondered. But whether you're here with us or you're worshiping online, this is our worship gathering. As Ryan stated, this is the time of the week that we come to celebrate. That's the rhythm that we practice here at Fellowship. Is our celebration of what God is doing in and through our lives throughout the week. What we also do is we scatter. We scatter, and, and you have scattered well, Mosaic. You have scattered to, to impact Northwest Arkansas and the world around us. You know, some of you may be thinking, well, in the past six months, Scott has gone to one amazing women's retreat with the with T-shirt that I'm wearing now, this beautiful egg-colored T-shirt. But the statement on it says it all. All have mattered, all glory, all, I'm sorry, all matter, all are broken, all matter, one gets the glory. Think of society today. Society today tells us that all are broken. In the sense that no matter how or what your situation is, whether you're a mom that's dealing with virtual homeschool, whether you're somebody that lost your job, whether you're somebody that is, that is asking the question, what's, what's next for me? Because things are really, really going well in my life, and I don't, I don't really want to go back. I want things to say just the way they are because I've got good rhythms in my life. All of us are dealing emotionally with something different. Things have changed over the course of the COVID season. But God is moving and working in ways that we could never imagine. So through this broken time in, in our society and world, causing brokenness in all of us, it's amazing that we all still matter. 
God's waiting for us to all go and share our story with others. And your story absolutely matters because his glory is revealed in you. His glory is revealed in you. The form that that, that happens, the form that the biblical function has always happened here is small groups. That's how we do that. And so our small groups are getting ready to launch, and they're launching in different forms. Uh, one of the ways that they're launching here is in person. And we're just asking you, we've got it online. If, if you're an in-person small group, please go to the CDC website. This thing is not over yet. And so we just ask you to, the reason that you're wearing a mask is for somebody else that might be at risk. You're looking out for the other. You're looking out for the person that, that might be at risk, even if you're not. So in that small group, just watch the CDC guidelines. Uh, virtually, if you say, I don't really want to be virtual. I want to, I want to be in person with people. I want to know and feel what they're going through. You know what? There's people in our church body and in our community that they don't feel safe being in person. We actually have people that are here that are asking for virtual groups. So we need virtual groups. I've seen God move in amazing ways with virtual groups. We've got a, a leader that watches online every week. He's in Texas, used to live here. They have a virtual group with somebody that's in uh, Destin, Florida. They're in Texas, and they've got people here in Springdale, right here at Mosaic. So things happen virtually. We can't put God to mocks with our neighbors. Our neighbors are out there. And they're in this situation where they're hurting and broken too. Like I said, if you're in a situation where you say, you know, I love this. This has been so much better for me. Look for the person that is hurting right now. And they might be in your own neighborhood. Go to that person and find that. And finally, the family. I got a text this afternoon from a guy that's in my community group. And it was a text of his daughter reading from her Jesus storybook Bible, the story of creation. Because that's what we did in our community group this week. We haven't been able to do family ministry the way that we've always done it. But we believe discipleship happens in the home. So if you have this, if you have kids that are in your homes, join with another family and spend time studying the scriptures together. We've got on our website, a uh, video of the Cole family doing a Discovery Bible study together. So I'd encourage you to go and do that. Speaking of family, families, I hope you picked this up as you were coming in. Kids, everybody got a packet? Hold it up, shake it for me. Okay? You can all go through this. I'm holding Isaiah's, my son's right now. And you can go through this and you can color and you can do different things because, you know, honestly, sometimes Mr. Matt's a snoozer. And uh, he's just tough to get together. So dads watch ball games on their phone and, and boys and girls do this, okay? The, uh, the final thing that we've got to do is 
what are the other small groups that are, that are effective out there? Discover. Discover is the way that, that we hop online. And, and if you've never been a part of Mosaic before, you're wondering, what's this church really all about? This is the best way to find out. This walks you through what Mosaic's all about. And uh, if you want to join and be a part of this church body, this is the way that you do it. So please, Discover is going to launch in, uh, in, on the 20th. And so it's going to be online as well. Uh, it'll be in a home, but you've got videos online. So we want to we want to be able to get that going, and reengage. Reengage is is an incredible ministry. It's not just for for marriages that are struggling right now. It's for every marriage because I've heard so much positive stuff that has come from this. Um, if if you've led or you've been a part of it, you know. But marriages, please engage in this. If you don't know what you're going to do for a small group this year, join Reengage because uh, it will bless your life and relationship with one another. Um, that QR code that is on there, that will get you information because we no longer pass out communicators here. So if you scan that QR code, that is going to get you into the communicator and get you all the news, all the different websites that you want to do. Um, tomorrow morning, if you want to sign up and get your reservations for this week, then, uh, then you can go online and do that at mosaicnwa.org and do that. Okay? Giving you a lot of info. A lot of info. Let's pray and get service started. Father, thank you so much for who you are. And we just pray blessings over this time. We pray that you will center us on your thoughts, your words. And uh, Lord, may we glorify and honor you in all that we do. In your name, amen. Amen. What better way to bring unity to this space tonight than to sing the truths that we believe together. This, I believe, a song that has a lot of doctrine in it, things that we know and hold fast to as Christians. Let's stand together and let's continue to sing praise and worship to our Father tonight. Our Father everlast, the all-creating one, God Almighty. Through your Holy Spirit, conceiving Christ the Jesus our Savior, I believe in God our Father, I believe in Christ the Son, I believe in the Holy Spirit, our God is three in one, I believe in the resurrection that we will rise again, for I believe in the And our defend suffered and crucified. Forgiveness is in you. Descended into darkness, he rose in glorious light. Forever seated. 
that his kingdom will have no end. We look forward to that day as your church. In Christ alone, my hope is found. He is my light, my strength, my song. This cornerstone, this solid ground. Firm through the fiercest drought and storm. What heights of love, what depths of peace. When fears are still, when striving cease. My comforter, my all in all. Here in the love of Christ I stand. In Christ alone, who took on flesh, fullness of God in helpless babe, this gift of love and righteousness, scorned by the ones he came to save, till on that cross, as Jesus died, the wrath of God was sad. For every sin on him was laid Here in the death of Christ I live There in the ground he 
His body lay, light of the world by darkness made. Then bursting forth in glorious Church, let's read together the doxology from Romans 11. Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor? Who has ever given to God that God should repay them. For from him and through him and for him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. You can be seated. My friends, boy, it really is a joy. It really is a treat to be here with you. Uh, Ryan said it, Scott said it, it's hard to believe that we've been like this for six months. And, and if you're new here, if you're, it's been a while and you forget, don't let this six foot eight frame body fool you. I am a hugger. And I just wish, maybe even all at once, I could just wrap you in my arms and hug you and say, I'm so glad you're here, but I have to settle like you do for these weird foot high fives. Are you into the foot high five or are you the... Are you the air high-fiver or worse yet, are you mid kind of like chicken dance wing elbow 
It's weird regardless. It's all strange, but, but I am thankful. I'm thankful for the families and the discipleship uh, making communities that, that are at home and, and, and staying safe for their reasons and their convictions. And I'm thankful for you that are here. Uh, this truly is a blessing. And in, in the absence of, of our physical affection and hugs and all that, let's, let's find joy and oneness and togetherness, just like we did in singing, let's find it in sitting under the encouragement of God's word together, shall we? So here's what I'm going to do. We're going to pray, and then I'm going to drop you right into the middle of a story of a riot. So buckle up. Bow your heads with me. Lord Jesus, Son of God, Thank you for having a mercy on me, a sinner. Thank you for how you tell us in Scripture that, that your word is given so that the result, the, the transformational work will be that we will be one in our families, in our marriages, in our relationships. And that the not yet believing world, that they'll see that oneness and, and from it they will recognize it's otherworldly and that word will turn into one and that one will turn into scent and that we can be scattered to the ends of the earth. Thank you for welcoming us into that beautiful story. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, hey, as we have been meeting virtually all over the course of the summer, the church calendar would call this time of year ordinary time. Has it felt ordinary? It's not felt very ordinary, has it? But it's been a time that we've been looking at theology. We've been finishing in August our series on the church as we've skipped a stone across Acts, uh, doing our last service tonight on the church at Ephesus. And then next week we'll turn a corner and we're going to look at the book of 1 Thessalonians together as we unpack what is the gospel and it's work on our hearts, it's work on our lives. It's going to be really fun. So if you have your Bibles, would you open them? Put them on your lap and let's follow together. We're going to kind of cover a lot tonight. We're going to look at Acts chapter 19 and 20. And 20, that's right. And so we're going to summarize Acts 19 and then we're going to drill some deep roots into Acts 20. And I can't tell you, in my first reading of it, just to be vulnerable with you, all of Acts 19 is a story of a very crazy, a very wild riot. And I thought about teaching on it, coming back to you after you guys have not been here and live for six months going, what in the world am I going to say? What are we going to talk about? There's no instruction. There's no encouragement. Well, that's going to come in Acts 20. And basically, here's the kind of the summary of Acts 19, if you will. Pull up that screen for me. Acts 19 is really a few key verses that kind of give us some insights. It starts out in verse 23. Don't let this uh, phrase underestimate you. There is no little disturbance against the way. In this massive, this influential city of Ephesus, things are getting tense to the point that they're starting to pull followers of Jesus into the middle of crowds, violence, shouting, speaking against them. It was a major, major disturbance. One of the ringleaders is a guy named Demetrius the silversmith. Why him? Well, in Ephesus, Jesus is not king. He is not known that way. 
In fact, Artemis, the temple of Artemis is there and this silversmith makes his living based on making the statues that get sold at the temple of Artemis. And so his personal business is going down and going down quickly. He sees the threat before him that this guy Jesus could pose. And so he starts stirring the crowd. Stirring the crowd. And I almost feel like maybe a culmination is verse 32. Let me read this to you. Now some cried out one thing, some another, for the assembly was in total confusion. And most of them did not know why they had even come together. Is that not like a new marketing strategy for social media right now? I mean, does that not sum it up? Some were yelling one thing, some were yelling another. A lot of people were just eating their popcorn and like, what is going on? It was just absolute total and complete chaos. And it kind of reached a crescendo. Verse 34, for two hours straight, they were chanting, great is Artemis. Great is Artemis. Great is Artemis. Now to just kind of even build the tension of here, the place that they're chanting is this amphitheater. I got to visit our missionaries in Turkey and, and we, we took a van down to Ephesus. And I've been in a lot of like stadiums and watched a lot of games like that. Here's what impressed me is I took this shot with my camera is how steep it was. I got to the top and I'm like <sighs> holding up my camera and it was like I was looking down onto our team that is standing in the middle. And this is the place for two hours that the crowd's shouting, great is our team, is great as our team is, for two hours. I thought maybe it'd be fun to do an experiment for just 20 seconds. All the kids in the room could yell at the top of their lungs the same thing, anything. Should we do it? Everyone says no. Good call, parents. Let's not do that, but just imagine two hours of screaming this. And that, that's the pandemic they're in. That's the tension there. And can you imagine being a follower of Jesus, being a member of the way is how they would call it then. And living in the shadow of that tension. We think today is polarizing. Picture how polarizing that moment is. That's chapter 19. Chapter 20 Is pretty important because in chapter 20, Paul has sailed away from Ephesus. He's visited a few different places, a few different churches, and he's on his way back through. And it says that he summons, we assume by, mean of le by means of letter, he summons the leaders or the overseers of Ephesus. And he has what I can only seem to understand is kind of the first leader's retreat. He pulls them together and he says, hey, I know that your world is a dumpster fire right now. Everything is falling apart. And so he's going to take chapter 20 and he's going to encourage them with some very ordinary instruction that will have extraordinary impact. 
And so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to lead in a very like good spiritual practice kind of way. I'm going to read a large portion of scripture. And we're going to actually learn from our kids. Because our kids that are here all across the room, wave if you're here kids. Any kids. If you consider yourself a kid. A lot of middle aged adults are waving to but That's fine. They have wonderful imaginations. And so parents, learn from your kids. I want you to picture Paul speaking these things in this context. Imagine a leader's retreat. Maybe they're around a bonfire. And Paul is saying these things to these leaders. And picture it with me. Picture it unfolding. I'm going to read chapter 20 from verse 17 to verse 38. Here we go. Now, from Miletus he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church to come to him. And they came to him and he said to them, You yourselves know how I lived among you the whole time from the first day that I set foot in Asia, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials that happened to me through the plots of the Jews. How I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable, teaching you in public and from house to house, testifying both to Jews and to Greeks of repentance towards God and our faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And now, behold, I am going to Jerusalem, constrained by the Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and afflictions await me. But I do not account my life of any value, nor as precious to myself, if only I may finish my course in the ministry that I receive from the Lord Jesus, to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. And now, behold, I know that none of you among whom I have gone about proclaiming the kingdom will see my face again. Therefore, I testify to you, to you this day that I'm innocent of the blood of all of you, for I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. 28, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore, be alert, remembering that for three years I did not cease night or day to admonish everyone with tears. And now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I coveted no one's silver or gold or apparel. You yourselves know that these hands ministered to my necessities and to those who were with me. In all things I have shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And when he had said these things, he knelt down, and prayed with them all. And there was much weeping on the part of all. They embraced Paul and kissed him, being sorrowful most of all because of the word he had spoken, that they would not see his face again. And they accompanied him to his ship. Paul's able to say, at the end of his time with these leaders, I've done it, I've run the course. I've taken the charge. I've finished the work of ministry. 
I think if you were gonna translate that to the question that so many of us ask so often is, what is God's will for your life? And have you ever felt that tension and almost like, man, if God would just tell me, if he would just like write it in the sand or give me a hint or a clue, I would do it. Yet Paul, boy, he could overcome so many things. He could go into the hardest situations. I'm reminded back in Acts chapter 16, you might be familiar with this story, the Macedonian call. On his way to Rome, it says that the doors to Asia and the doors to Phrygia were closed to him. How can the guy keep going when the doors to Asia? I have no idea what that means. Is that like a tree across the road? Or is it the spirit compelling him, don't go in? How is it that he can keep going when doors like that are closed? And I think it's because, hear me on this, I think it's because Paul knows his why. Because he knew his why, there's no such thing as open doors or closed doors. There's only opportunity. You see, for Paul, his why, we could put this in a lot of different words. This was just what came out clearest to me is that he lived the gospel in word and in deed. I'm gonna say it again so it sinks in. He lived the gospel in word and deed. The gospel, the God saves sinners through Jesus that has the initial work to rescue us, to rescue us from the domain of darkness, to pull us out and to put us in the kingdom of light but also on a daily, again and again day, to resuscitate us, to revive us once again, to find life in Jesus' name. And Paul was so compelled by his why that this was almost like a banner that he could fly over these leaders as they gathered together amidst their very real season of riot. And he can say the gospel is better. There is no better time than this. And I want you to be able to remember this story. So we're just going to use a couple cues. Who, what, when, where, why cues. To kind of remember what's going on. Here's the who. Verse 21, it tells us that his who is both Jew and Gentile. Now we might read this a hundred times in the New Testament, not think anything of it. But picture this with me. Paul describes himself at one point of his life as the Hebrew of Hebrews. You remember that? The Hebrew of Hebrews who's done everything he needs to do to become religious elite. And yet now that his heart has been changed, and despite the fact that Jews are going to drag him in the mud, beat him up, drop him in jail again, again, and again, and that imprisonment from the Jews is guaranteed, he says his target doesn't forget about the Jews. It's pretty incredible, isn't it? He loves those who he knows are going to oppress him. But that's not all. He loves the Jews. He also loves the Gentile. I think it's significant. When Paul is initially called, when God shows up, he literally knocks him off his donkey. Like he does a full backflip off of his donkey. And God speaks to him. God begins to send him. I think it's actually significant that he starts out blind. Do you remember that story? He starts out blind until God opens his eyes to see. And I think a big part of what he sees, he writes this later in the letter to the Ephesians. 
He was blind to the mystery of the story all along. And that mystery is that the gospel is for those that are not just the religious haves. They're for the have-nots. They're for the Gentiles. The gospel is meant to go forth, to spread to the ends of our neighborhoods, to spread to the end of the nations. His why of the gospel starts out with the who. is to Jew and it's to Gentile. And I've just been compelled, I've been challenged. What a model of selflessness. What a model of him saying, it's not about me. Every indication to write off a Jew. Every fear voice in his mind to say to avoid the Gentiles. And yet he's going to persevere with the gospel, his why. That's the who, here's the what. So much of life is made out of right expectations, isn't it? Wrong expectations will mess us up, but right expectations will carry us through. And here's Paul's right expectations. Verse 23, opposition is coming. He knows he's going to get to Jerusalem, and it's going to be bad. But the Holy Spirit has wrapped his arms around Paul and is leading him into the opposition, into certain pain. And then he says to the Ephesians leaders, and by the way, verse 29 I'm going to leave. And what's a good word to describe what you're going to experience? Oh, yeah, wolves. Wolves are going to come in amongst the flock and are going to eat you alive. How's that for a benediction on a leader's retreat? But he's setting their right expectations. And he says, even amidst these expectations, he says it twice in the passage, he did not shrink back from telling the whole story of the gospel, the complete counsel of God he presented. There's a who, there's a what, here's a when. 22 and 25, he says it uh, emphatically. He says, now. You think that's significant? He doesn't say, when a vaccine comes. He doesn't say when the riots close. He doesn't say when there's guidelines are out the door. He says right now in such an adventurous time as this that we would embrace the moment, we would embrace the opportunity that the gospel gives us right now. The riot is behind, the imprisonment is ahead, but it does not change his course. No, he is going to move to the next one, the where. And this is so like realistic and practical for us. This is how he goes about, even amidst the now, the pain, the imprisonment, the stuff. He says, I'm going to go public and I'm going house to house. That sound familiar? Welcome to Mosaic, the least creative church in history. You want to know why? Because we're going to teach the gospel publicly and we're going to do it house to house. And none of it was our idea. Paul said that's how you change a riot. That's how you go back in and change a city that's chanting great as Artemis. By preaching the gospel. By preaching his why. Publicly and house to house. And then lastly I love how he sums it up in verse 35. He quotes Jesus on one thing. That, that, that would be an interesting intro to a disciple-making community conversation. Hey, if you had one verse, one thing Jesus said that really just like gets you, that you just say all the time, what would yours be? Here's Paul's. It's more blessed to give than to receive. It's almost like a mantra flying under his banner of gospel. Yeah, my temptation is just receive. It's to get. It's to ask what's best for me. What do I need? What do I like? What do I do? But you know what Jesus says? 
it's more blessed to give. The gospel is the sail, but this feels like it's the wind to give away life, to give away comfort, to give away resources that the gospel can go forth. He looks at his leaders, and I don't know why, the, the, the more that I read this passage, the more that verse 28 kind of jumped out to me. That who, what, when, where, why, that summarizes the whole chapter. But man, if I was just going to narrow it down to one verse, the thing that I think the leaders are going to go back to Ephesus, and as they're walking the Ephesian streets, riot going on, and they're giving kind of a weird chicken wing high five, they're going to go, hey, don't forget these three things. Don't forget to care for yourself. Don't forget to care for the flock. Don't forget to care for the weak. That's verse 28. Let's go, let's pick them apart one at a time. Number one, verse 28, because of the gospel that God saves sinners through Jesus, it says, pay careful attention to yourself. Isn't that interesting? The world is falling apart around these Ephesian leaders. Number one instruction, he says, hey, pay careful attention to yourself. Okay, so here's a really big question that you're not gonna be able to answer right now. If you need to close your eyes just to really let it sink in, here's the question. How is your soul and what do you need? I'll say it again. How is your soul and what do you need? And if the voice in your head is saying anything like, I'm drowning, I'm hurting, I'm tired, I'm desperate, and friends, how is your soul and what do you need? How are you paying careful attention to yourselves? How can we as a church come around you to help you care for your soul, to help you care for what you need? Listen to this great quote. For many of us, the great danger is not that we will renounce our faith. It is that we will become so distracted and rushed and preoccupied that we will settle for a mediocre version of it. Is that not good or what? We will just skim our lives instead of actually living them. Boy, if this season of COVID, this six months has exposed anything, I think it's exposed that. We get rushed, distracted, and preoccupied for a mediocre version of faith. How is your soul and what do you need? You know, it seems like Paul uh, leads leaders really well, and he gives them really good tips. So here's just one maybe suggestion as you think about your soul. At one point, Paul tells Timothy, hey, follow the patterns. He writes the Philippian church. He says, hey, you know the good stuff? Whatever's lovely, pure, noble, good, all these things. Keep doing these things. It seems like Paul recognized that there's something important about deja vu spirituality. The kind of thing that is very uncool and very ordinary. It seems very unextraordinary. The good stuff, the right stuff, the care for yourself, soul stuff. Keep doing it. Not striving for spectacular, striving for faithful. Number one, kids, hold up at number one. Care for yourself. Here's number two. Because of the gospel, Pay attention to the flock. One translation says the sheep. I have a good friend that we meet up once a month for lunch. He's a pastor mentor in my life. 
And he said this, you're going to get a kick out of this. He says, everything he's ever learned about pastoring, he learned from his sheepdog. Like, Daniel, I don't know what you're talking about. What do you mean by your sheepdog? He says he likes to go to dog parks, not so that his dog can play, but so that his sheepdog goes and starts to attempt to corral all the other dogs. Just trying to get things in order and steer, steer them out of chaos. And then he said this, and this really struck me. He said, you know what, we talk about that I'm a shepherd or we're shepherd or leaders or the Ephesus leaders or you as leaders, we shepherd other people. He said this, he goes, Jesus is the good shepherd. I'm just a sheepdog. He says, my whole goal of pastoring, loving, caring for people is to identify the walking, caring, compassionate pace of Jesus and try to get these crazy sheep back towards him. Is that good or what? Maybe his message to the Ephesians elders is, hey, be a sheepdog. Start steering people through ordinary things back to the Jesus pace. Here's his last one. This is in verse 35. Work hard to help the weak. Work hard to help the weak. And I got to tell you, I'm thankful for this reminder because here's the deal, and I think a lot of us have experienced this. It's not hard to recognize or find weak, hurting, broken, marginalized people, is it? It really is not. If you have any attunement, any sense of what's going on, it's not hard to recognize them. But he calls it like it is. It is hard work to care for them. I know many of the people right now in this room, me included, we feel weak. We feel like we need to be recipients of that help, and that's okay. There's a lot of people in our community that are weak. They're weak emotionally. They're weak on resources. They're weak spiritually. They're weak disconnected. I talked to a friend literally walking over from the office to this time right now on the phone. He said his family has gotten sick. He's had to take 14 days worth of vacation. He's run out of getting paid. He's got a full-time job and he's missing payments. Matt, will you pray for me? I don't know what to do. And if your ears aren't attuned, that story is on repeat all over Northwest Arkansas. And it's not just financial. People are weak. And as the church, we're called to simply work hard because it is hard to help the weak. Help, as Jesus models again and again, is to see to move towards and to have compassion for the weak. You know, I think, I think there's so many examples, there's so many ways, so many like all the different kind of like polarizing topics that things are getting brought up now. I think this is actually a good example. This is gonna been a good prayer reminder for me. You wanna know why? I hate wearing masks. Anybody else? Never in my life have I felt sympathy for Darth Vader. But now... The poor guy probably wasn't even sick. He just had to live his life in a mask. And here's the thing. This mask is reminding me of Acts 20 because it's not about me. It's about caring for somebody else. So every time I can put this on, I say, Lord, would you steer me, direct me to the weak? Help me see them, even though I can't really talk to them right now. And let me love them. Let me move towards them. Friends, don't make a mask polarizing. Make a mask an opportunity. It's not about you, it's about them. 
It's about the weak. It's about the hurting that you can move towards. And there's so many more examples. So here's the, str- here's the sum up. Here's what I want you going away in your disciple-making communities, thinking about, talking about, dreaming about, praying about. Paul could have gone extraordinary with this leader's retreat, but he went ordinary. Because of his why, because of the gospel that rescues and revitalizes, it resuscitates the soul. He looks at him, he says, hey, care for yourself. Care for the church. And work hard to help to care for the, the weak. And somewhere in that, Paul says, and I'm out. He drops the microphone and he says, by the way, I'm never going to see you again. So if this is going to work, you're going to have to do it. Do those things. Peace out. And he leaves. Now, I think this is interesting because do you ever wonder if stuff like this works? Anybody? Do you wonder if like when you give instruction that it works? We do this with parenting a lot. How many kids love Legos? My son loves Legos, and I look at his Legos, and I go, oh, I'm going to buy him better sets so that someday he's an engineer, and maybe he can take care of me financially. I'll see my daughter coloring in the lines or singing a song and actually hitting pitch, and I'll be like, wow, maybe she's an artist. Maybe she's going to be a performer. And it's like, we ask these questions, is this going to work? Well, guess what? Paul writes a letter to the church of Ephesus in Revelations 2, and we see if it works. Look at what it says. This is valuable. I know your works, your toil, and your patient endurance, and how you cannot bear with those who are evil, but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not, and found them to be false. I know you are enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake, and you have not grown weary. Pause. Don't read any more. That's a pretty good resume, isn't it? They're doing all the stuff really good. All the do's, all the check marks, all the, all the stuff, they're, they're nailing it. Verse 4, but I have this against you. You have abandoned the love you had at first. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen. Repent and do the works that you did at first. Somewhere along the line, caring for themselves, caring for the church, and caring for the weak, turned into check boxes. It turned into to-do lists. And they left their first love. They left their first love. And if I've heard this story once, I've heard it a hundred times these last six months, and I've heard it in my own journal. It has been hard to stay connected to Jesus. I've been tempted to leave my first love. But friends, hear me say this. Your first love has not left you. He is there. He is ready. He is willing to love you. The God of your heart is pursuing your heart. And all we have to do, all we have to be, is the kind of people who repent and return. Repent. Confess your sins. Say how you've messed up. Say how you've given your life away to other first loves. And then turn and return to your first love. I'd love to ask where these ordinary encouragements hit you. Which one compels you? Care for yourself, care for the church, care for the weak. 
And I'd ask you this week, as you get with your disciple-making communities, as you talk with your families, answer this big question, because I think this is the question that allowed Paul to achieve it. What is your why? What is your why? The thing that whether you get a job or lose a job, you get sick, you don't get sick. Things go great, things go horribly. What is your why that will cause you to persevere for the sake of the work of Jesus, your first love? That's my question, that's my challenge as you think about caring for yourself, caring for the church, and caring for the week. Hey, I wanna pray for us to close our time away uh, and then don't pack up all your stuff and leave because I got a few instructions just to, just to send you out well. Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you for this day. Thank you for this time. I so appreciate uh, just the, the multiple ways that your word goes forth. We're not in a riot in Ephesus, but we are in a riot in Northwest Arkansas. And we see it day in and day out with a hundred new polarizing things that challenge our faith. And so God, right now, would you speak by your spirit, compel us by your spirit, how we can be the kind of people who care for ourselves, care for our souls. We can be the kind of church that cares for each other. Sheepdogs steering each other back to Jesus. And then we can be the kind of people that scatter from here and care for the weak of Northwest Arkansas and the world. We love you, we trust you, and we pray to this end. Amen. Amen. Hey, just a couple things. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, those that are here, uh, if you would like to connect, ask questions, uh, pray, of course, from a six-feet distance, uh, look for one of these really cool mosaic shirt people that are around, We'd love to pray. We'd love to talk with you. We'd love to answer questions that you might have. Um, you can also go on to the website and, and put prayers in and put things that we can help you with. Here's a big one. If you're here and you're a family, say hi. Yes, this is important for all of you. Next week, we are gonna do communion and it'll be like no communion you've ever done before. You're going to walk in and grab a little package of communion and it's going to have like a pop of top on it and you're going to get your wafer and your drink all in like one little fun little bite-sized thing, okay? But normally in non-COVID related times, we have a family class on when kids are ready to take communion. And by the way, it's when they have confessed their sins and put their trust in Jesus and they're a part of the family of God. Baptism is when one person becomes a part of many, okay? That's first step. A following step is when many take this symbol of communion to represent they're a part of one. So if you have been baptized and you have been a part of believing and making that statement of faith, communion's for you. And by the way, we usually give like three or four months lead up to that kind of time. We process through it and all those kind of things. And we're desperate to have communion together. And unlike most times, we have all families together. So if you're a family and you're like, oh my goodness, what do I do? I'm glad you asked that. Go online to our family resource page and there's some great printouts of just what does communion mean and how could I lead that conversation with my family? Because next week, I'm gonna walk in with my six-year-old and she's gonna want one of those little bite-sized cup of funds all in one little packet. And I wanna have a good answer, okay? So think through that, process through that before you sign up tomorrow morning for next week. Uh, next, if you joined us last month, we did our first ever creating space. 
on just hard conversations. Last, last month we talked about politics. Uh, this, this month, this upcoming Wednesday, September 9th, we're talking about the story of the Bible. It's going to be virtual. Robert Cup is going to teach his heart behind kind of writing the panorama curriculum and just the authority of the Bible, the impact of the Bible, and how he can be a part of training us to use that love for God's word to start good conversations. Okay? There's also going to be a panel, and the panel will answer any question you've ever had about the Bible. It's incredible. So it's going to be Wednesday night, 6.30 to 8.30. Jump on, bring your questions. It's going to be fun. Um, following that, we're going to have classes in our training center, uh, virtually and, and small groups have the opportunity, uh, on First Thessalonians to kick off that series and on Panorama. So those would be great opportunities for your groups to jump into that kind of stuff. Um, lastly, yes, I think this is the last one. How are we going to leave today besides foot high fives and like chanting how awesome this is and we just miss and love each other? We're going to dismiss you row by row. It's going to kind of feel like wedding dismissal, okay? You're going to go out the side doors. Kids, if you could keep from just like sprinting all over the place and running everywhere, don't do that. And parents. Um, so they're going to dismiss from the back and from the front, row by row, one row at a time, and you're going to go out the side doors. And then in the parking lots, you're on your own. So good luck with that. And we love you. So Mosaic, we love you. Go care for yourself. Care for the flock. Care for the weak. We love you. Good night.